Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right, this is your host, Tom Hessen of the Revenue Hustle Podcast, and it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Jeff Heckler to the Revenue Hustle. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm excited about our conversation. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I know you're. Um, you have a lot to, a lot of experience, a lot to say um, in customer success, and and so right now you're the director of customer success solutions at Market Source uh, as your current role, and you've got a long history in customer success. So why don't you give us a, a full introduction? Sure. I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Jeff. Uh, I'm responsible for all things customer success at Market Source. So we provide customer success for professionals, personnel tech product, tech stack, and process playbooks, et cetera, to our customers new and existing. And that can be anything from, for example, a, a long tail solution for a large enterprise customer, Fortune 500 is and above is generally where we play, a billion in revenues and, and up. Um, or it could be coming in and, and establishing a CS team uh, in totality for a net new initiative. Maybe a social uh, networking company wants to go to the uh, AR and Oculus uh, marketplace and they know tech, but they don't know the customer success emotion. So we'll own that for them and um, build it out. Oh, fantastic. All right. So you're selling customer success solutions. Um, so that's um, very interesting. So unique perspective. All right. So Jeff, you know how we do this. We have revenue rules uh, where you share, you know, your perspective and we'll have a whole conversation around it. So why don't you let it rip? What's our, your first revenue rule? Well, I, so in, in the way that everyone is growing and looking to scale and do that effectively, um, the, the first rule is CS ops as early as possible. There are a lot of things, um, that I wrap around that. Um, when you hire your first CS ops or when you bring that person in, when you engage your executives in the, in the discussion for budget and that, uh, as a principle and a practice within your organization, what kind of roles sit within customer success operations, um, how you dovetail that cross-functionally right. um, and with finance, um, your BI teams uh, is highly important. Your, even your IT teams, which it gets lost in the shuffle often when we think about bringing in new tech uh, to a CS uh, proprietary tech stack. So that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's my first one. Um, I can get into well, well yeah so tell me so how do you define the roles and responsibilities of cs ops like where does that function start what are kind of the the common uh areas of responsibility and we're more familiar with revenue ops or you know sales ops prior to that so just kind of define the, the function for us sure it definitely gets into to rev ops uh sales ops gets into your financial operations uh when you start to look at how you're compensating your, the performance of, of your personnel. Uh, it starts when you scale your processes, when you scale your touch points with your customers, when you have gotten to the point where you, you, you have rather mature customer journey mapping that you can apply automation 
digital uh, motions to the customer journey. And then you need operations to be able to keep that uh, stable, to be able to build that out, to be able to attach uh, the different technologies and different methods that you're going to approach your customers along the customer journey. And so as you begin to standardize that, you want to add integrity and operational excellence into how you approach your customers. And you need you need individuals that are going to be able to be responsible for that. You need a team that's going to own that um, and then uh, disseminate that. So, you know, as we often talked about back in the BI days, metadata is data about data. Um, the kind of the nested conversation around CS ops is that CS operations is there to serve the CS team, customer success for the customer success managers, which um, a little too broad, but that's okay. No, I think that that helps. So, does CS ops then report to the chief customer officer, or, or something like that, or the the VP of customer success? It, it depends where it is in its maturation. I first like to see CS ops reporting to the the head of CS, whether that's a director level VP, et cetera. That does would funnel up um, to a CCO if that's or operationally. Then that so that the break begins when the sales revenue finance operations come into play um, right. and to that is the BI and the data portion of that. So, um, you know what I, I like to say, if, if you're doing something well and it, it has success, eventually somebody wants to inherit it. So I have um, just like I have with customer success marketing, which is a whole nother topic I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I have, given birth to those organizations or those those uh, operations within the customer success uh, organization and then handed them over um, along the way. So we did that with CS Ops um, two stops ago in a, uh, two pre- in a previous life that the operations team for CS really started to model what we needed um, from a marketing standpoint for, for our customers. And I, I say that for the current customer base. Right. Um, started to model how we really work cross-functionally very well with finance and with our BA teams. Um, and so those became part of the larger organization's operations, which, you know, is fine and dandy. Um, but you do need to keep uh, oversight of the of your playbooks, of your motions to your customers in-house so that the CS operations team is going to at least live within customer success, you know, at, at in some uh, some levels of responsibility, even after you you hand over maybe the finance portions or um, I got you the portions. And so, what are some of the metrics or or the data? Like you talked about, like the dashboards and and things of that nature. Um, like, what are some of the things that they're monitoring, measuring, communicating back to the CSMs? Like as a as a service, like you were saying, it's there for the customer success to the the CSMs. Yeah, I mean it's it's your your classic stuff. You know, we'll ha- have our our weekly meetings with the individual contributors and the CSM teams and and pooled CS teams uh, in regards to activities. And you know, uh, so in, in the shorter cadence meetings, like the weekly and the biweeklies, um, you're looking at activity levels. Um, and so that's you know you have good benchmarking there at scale. I don't like to make it too individualized unless, of course, it's a performance issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go down that path. But I think, you know, activity levels are useful and instructive for how to how to schedule your day. Um, I like to think that, 
you know, we empower our CSMs to work their book of business and, uh, you know, run it the way they want to run it. I will say I was interested in the, the recent client success survey that came out that still over half of the time that CSMs are reporting their activities, they're internally directed. So they're spending time in internal meetings and internal initiatives uh, and not engage with customers. And I was, you know, still 2022 spending over half of our time yeah. internal facing stuff just blows my mind. So that's operations is there to let CSMs do what they're born and bred and love and passionate and grows their career to do. And that's to interface with customers and to right. buy value and outcomes. So I don't like to get bogged down the activities. Again, they're, it's instructive for you know highlighting potential issues or where we can then funnel back initiatives to CS ops and say, hey, we should be automating this. We should be looking at this at scale. Is this something that we can use in a, a text document in our knowledge base? Is this something we should be pushing to community? Is this something we should do in a webinar, uh, video enabled, short video for consumption, you know, asynchronously? And so that customer success managers can can increase their value to customers and the enjoyment out of their own, you know, day to day. Right. Those advisory level conversations, being being consultative. Um, you know, and, and talking about the things that really matter to our customers and what their metrics are. Um, and so just to answer, you know, come around and answer the back end of the question. The other thing in operations is, you know, we're looking at our North Star metrics and RR. Um, you know, we're mapping to hopefully um, what our customers are, are measuring as well. And so breaking that down to as an organization, where are we with our corporate level objectives and doing that? Right, month, right. Monthly and quarterly. And I assume then that they also own all the technology that, you know, like, you know, I know you were at a recent event out in the, on the West coast or, you know, for a popular um, technology player uh, in the CSM universe, like would they own those sorts of applications? Uh, yeah. And it can be everything from owning it. Like, you know, if we're using Miro uh, to, to, to collaborate and draw out our customer journey maps, whether we're just doing it internally, we're doing that cross-functionally. Sure, we'll own that because across the company, we're not utilizing that or Airtable or whatever it happens to be. Um, but then the important part is if we identify a technology we want to bring in-house, a lot of CS leaders, particularly new ones, need to need to be heady to the fact that you have to get IT involved. You know, there are security issues that you're going to have. Your, your organization might demand that you run a pilot first. You might have a parent organization. Right. That involved. And so it's not so simple as, you know, we're going to bring this in and, and run it, especially as your, as your company matures. And so it might not be that we, you know, one, one place along my journey, we had 15 tools in our tech stack. We wholly owned a few of them. We co-owned some of them, mm. um, maybe a, a tool with finance or maybe a, a tool with sales, um, part of a different CRM program for whatever reason. Um, and so we'll co-own things. And then the other things that are coming from the corporate level, you know, Slack and your office. Sure. Item. Yeah. Yeah. But you need someone there to say, hey, you know, in development, we'd like to get this into the next sprint or, you know, it, it comes to, and, and being able to also have a justification discussion. Right. It's not just because we we it's a nice to have or a want to have. This is going to help drive value for our customers or this is going to help us collaborate across the organization. And from my experience in customer success, part of what we really drive as value is what we drive in value internally to increase the, you know, uh, to increase our our voice for our customer so that we're advocating on their behalf, right. 
we're saying, you know, our customers really in intercom, we should be doing this when we message with our customers because of these reasons. And so, you know, that's something that I think we're, is very important for us to, to be mindful of as well. And and how are you seeing like the maturity of CS ops, like in, in its, you know, you, you service a lot of customers, like where, just how do you see it? Like, is it, is it maturing? Is it not that mature? Obviously it's going to depend, but how do you just kind of think about where they are on the journey as a, you know, growing capability or function? Because CS is relatively new. So CS ops is probably even newer than that. I think we've gotten a lot better at, at establishing a, a base of CS earlier um, it, before, you know, things are already starting to spiral. <clears throat> you know, I, I like to say to the people I mentor and coach and, and teach that when you start to hire for your customer success team, you want the first one through three, one of those individuals, you really got to think, be thinking about, is this my next CS? Is this my CS ops lead eventually? Mm-hmm. Is this someone who is interested in process or comes from a technical background or, um, you know, even maybe some marketing, uh, I'll throw that in again, you know, someone that is coming into your organization or is already in your organization that has uh, a desire and aptitude for additional responsibilities. So that's the maturation of that individual, but also do they have other background? Do they come from, you know, some sort of consultative experience? Do they have some chops, uh, you know, in the spreadsheet world, you know, so yeah. where you identify that um, and, and someone that's looking to grow and, and ambitious. Um, so it, it comes to different things, the skill, the persona, and then the business need. And those three things I always, I always hammer on. Um, so I'd like to think of those things very early on. Um, the easy, if you can bring, have that in house rather than have to, to hire that from the outside, whether it's internal hire or a pure ex- external hire, it's going to make your life easier. It's going to be better for your team. There's going to be a lot of uh, situational um, aptitude they'll have, a lot of institutional aptitude, and then um, culturally, it's, it's right. Much- and are you seeing that most people recognize that this this is this we need CS ops? Like this is something we're investing in, or is it still like, hey guys, maybe there's someone doing it, but it's not formalized? Like just how are you seeing it kind of implemented? formally or informally? Well, since COVID, you know, every, everybody's eyes went from, you know, current customer base and then, and how do we do this at scale and efficiently and, and where we are now and, you know, coming into the second, well, we're in the second half of, of 22. It's all about efficiency and, you know, how can we consolidate tools? So it's all digital. Yeah. You know, you're not, you can't do that without ops. So if you want to build, you know, Durable growth, uh, which we're all big fans of now, and if you want something sustainable uh, at scale um, and something that you can iterate very well, as you know, and quickly, then, then you want to do it at a foundational level with ops, CS ops. Yeah, right. All right. So, um, why don't you tell us into your second revenue rule? All right. So this this might raise some eyebrows, but um, I'm I'm going to say that you can't scale CS. And the, the revenue streams for CS without pooled CSMs, CSM models. Um, I, I, I can tell you from experience and give that, but I'll, we'll leave it there. Um, so pooled CSM teams have a place and a very valuable place. And I know this from experience, having owned over 100,000 customers um, and a massive long tail, you know, 90, we'll just say 95,000 customers fit the low touch profile. Um, so low ARPA, 
and uh, you know vast uh, massive volume of them, um, but a lot of room to grow. And so that's where you're. And we'll take the first rule, so CS operations, with your your data analysts, with BAs, um, and with some good tools, you can start to build cohort analysis and further segment your customers into cohorts that look like they're to expand. They're at risk and in max right. for whatever reason. Um, you're, we've had repackaging. So how are you going to run repackaging play and a, and a very who moved my cheese um, kind of kind of motion to customers at scale? And so you know, we all think, a lot of us think about the, that classic pyramid of you know we have the white glove and the, the classic account management style customer success, and then we have yeah, digital yeah. success. Um, for, you know, for everyone, hopefully, uh, not just a, a low touch. And, um, and, but there's this place where nothing will replace the, the intuition, the, the intelligence, the, uh, initiative, the Gatawana, the advisory capabilities of a professional customer success manager. And so, you know, and it's it's a great place to be too because if you like customer success and what I tell my friends and family to get our business is that I sit in you know the the wheelhouse of Penn Station and I get to you know see all the traffic coming and going every day and so you take that and amplify that a little bit further and that's what pooled CSMs do. Um, you build cohort analysis that say, hey, these customers are looking to do you know these activities or they're looking to expand or looking to contract. And here's the reasons why this is the profiling and, and, and then you feed that into, you know, your, your cadences. And then you have CSMs that maybe they're working through six to 18 of, of those touch points a day. They have a playbook and it's, Hey, you're looking to expand or you're, you, you look like you're at risk or you look like you could use some education or some enablement. Um, you can do this with onboarding. You can do this with early implementation phases. You can, you know, do this with uh, 90 days to renewal. There are a lot of motions where a pooled right. team can come in and they get to churn and burn through, uh, you know, uh, a high value, low spend activity with a customer at scale. Um, and it's good for, for maturing your team as well. Um, you know, you can bring in customer success associates and customer success specialists, plug them at their levels. You have individuals that are more technically inclined, then you, you put them into the more of the implementation. You have customers more about education. So maybe you're looking at adoption motions with those. You have customers that are really, I'm sorry, uh, CSMs that are really good with negotiations, difficult conversations, start to do that with renewals, multi-year renewals, upsells and cross-sells, um, mm -hmm. high-risk churns, uh, big logos, you know. Um, and so you have a lot of motions that could be used in that manner, which are highly effective. So I'm, I'm bullish on pooled CSM models. So, so let me just dive into that a little bit. So when you say pooled CS model, so to me, that sounds like you're putting multiple roles potentially into a pool that is shared instead of a one-on-one dedicated, I am your customer success manager. You only communicate with me. Um, now there's a pool of people. Are they all communicating with you know, customers or the, is it a temporary shared resource model? Um, so just what does that mean to be pooled and how does that then overlay across these customers? Sure. You can have it a, a number of different ways. So you, you, you have customers that never see the light of day with a CSM, um, but somewhere along their, their lifetime, they're, if it's a renewal, they're looking to expand. We have a, you know, economic concern that, so we want to give them some relief on a, on a renewal. And so then you engage that person at that time. 
Uh, you could have a CSM that stays with uh, in, in a pooled model that stays with an account for the first 90 days they, to a go live model. So you can have them stay with uh, through the implementation phase. Uh, you could do a re-adoption. You know, we can say, hey, you know, we brought you in 18 months ago. You're still with us, but not consuming at the rates we under, or we have a repackaging, or we have a new product angle um, that we've, you know, released. We've gone from a CRM and now we're doing, I don't know, electronic documents, right? And signature. So we want to go through that motion with you. Um, and so dependent upon what your model is, where your company is, maturation team, their the CSM could just be a, a hit and run, right? So it's a, a touch and go. Um, or it could be, I'm going to be with you for this period of time because we've identified that we can draw value for draw value for you from your your investment with us um, at a higher rate if we engage with you. And here's our plan: we've got a six week plan. It's going to be, you know, eight meetings, and you're going to consume these videos, and you're also going to go into our knowledge base and put them on a program and be prescriptive about it um, and and ho- hold them accountable. So, um, you know, we would like to see you increase your community. Uh, logins from 30% to 60%, whatever happens. Right, right, right. And so it sounds like you're almost like identifying the, like the play, like whether it's adoption or if it's um, growth, you're putting together these teams, these, these pools um, to then go and execute that play with some cohort of customers. Is, is that? That's exactly right. And you can iterate that too. You know, like if, you know, you released a product and now 18 months out, you don't, you know, that you can tail that team off and direct it towards something else. You, you've decided that you want to augment, uh, you want to drop down the, the high touch uh, portfolio customers because you've grown in such a, uh, you know, volume of customers, you need to drop that down. Um, and so you pivot that way. There's, you know, it, the beauty of that is that the, these, the customers aren't accustomed to having, you know, their dedicated account management style CSM. And so when it changes and it moves around in their life cycle, they're a deep- deal. So is it, is it successful and why you're so bullish on the, the pool model? Is it because it brings, you know, maybe more economically viable, but it, it's essentially kind of like just in time need, right? So like we're delivering to the customer what they need at that time with the right resource for as long as they need it. And then they're off to doing something else, right? Is, is that, is that the, like the benefit to the business, the benefit of the, to the business is what it returns on their fully burdened cost. Um, so, you know, the the second time that we instituted this um, in, a, in a former place was we're looking at expansion, and so it's like, what if we took a, the meaty middle of our customers that you know they they have a propensity? Maybe we we run profiling, we run on them, and we see their average. Revenues uh, as a company are here, or their average headcount employee uh, headcount is here. Um, you know, they're a global company. Why? Where are they? Or you know, they're, yeah. they're lim- hitting their their consumption usage with us. And so, for whatever reason, they have an expansion profile. Go in there and ask a couple questions. Here's here's your list of three to five questions, and go through those twenty minutes, fifteen minutes. And we got four x to twenty x on a return on that. And so, and all we were doing was asking questions of our customers, doing a little discovery, um, and then coming in, not with even with a clear agenda of, we want to move you to this tier, or we want to get you over right. to these products, or want at, no, but just going in and, and saying, you know, how are you? What are you, where are you guys in your life? So what, what's been great for you? What's, and also that you know, 
CS as a responsibility, and I firmly believe a mission to report back to the company. These are what our customers are saying, anecdotally and aggregated. So, you know, this is what's working for us. This is what we're hearing, feeding that back to product, rolling that up uh, in monthly aggregations. And, you know, here are the top five issues that we're having above and beyond what we're doing, you know, if you have a support organization. And so, you know, looking at those kind of things, but there the really was the, the benefit to the company, the benefit to being able to grow your team and give them expertise if they're coming from, you know, we saved a lot of people yeah. from COVID. So we got people from HR and finance and hospitality and T&E. And so growing them into the profession of customer success, you know, it's, it's easier to learn when your conversations are 20 minutes rather than, okay, you're going to run a Q, an EBR and a QBR for you know, this, this enterprise company. And yeah. this is what the templates look like, and that's not a very good experience for an employer. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of CSMs are thrown in, right, with not a lot of prior experience, right? And and so um, it sounds like this model, you can you can take that sometimes nebulous role, right, as a CSM where you talk about tech support and, and new features and licenses. I mean, there's just – it runs the gamut, right? And then into, into these pools, you can almost – may become more of a specialist for a time, right? With that play that you're running. So it gives them more confidence and an ability to onboard into the CM CSM space or career path. Like you were just saying, is that kind of what you're saying? It's exactly correct. And along those lines is that they become a team. So you have a pooled team. They're all working towards the same goal. It's all, you know, 20 to 45 minute conversations generally, there are playbooks that we're working on that we're constantly iterating. They get in on that. They get to build that part of the presentation stack. They get to look at into the data analysis. You know, they get to be involved with how we build out the team this quarter, next quarter. Are we going to pivot? You know, now we have economic challenges. How are we going to handle that? They get involved in that mm -hmm. and they're all doing it together. So it's not this account management style of, of CS where I've got my portfolio in my book, or maybe I'm verticalized and I work with energy or I work with. Right, 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 right. You know, or telco, whatever it happens to be, they're all in this together and they're all having the same base conversations with customers that how do you, how do we still exist in your life? What are we driving value for you? Why, why are we going to be here next month, next quarter, next year? Now, are you going to, would you renew with us if you had to today? And there, you know, if a customer, if, if, if a competitor calls, are you going to pick up the phone? Like, you know, really just ask these questions. How can we matter more to you? And, you know, and it's successful because you're, you're giving individuals attention, uh, your customers attention that generally don't get it from a face to face. And that's highly profitable, um, and not just in dollars, but in the relationship for your brand, um, for the knowledge that you feed back to the rest of the company. So it's a it's a real rewarding position. So you get somebody into the profession that's new. They get to touch a lot of different accounts, a lot of different industries. They get yeah. to learn a lot of new different things, and they're doing with a cohort of people that they are professionally in tune with. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What are some of the challenges for implementing a pool model? Right, if you're if you may have historically been like the one to one account relationship sort of model to something like this i imagine you probably don't do it all at once you may start with a, a swat team for growth or or adoption or something like that how, do, how have you tackled that yeah you hit it right on the head so what i did first was i kind of just stole some time so i took more junior and associate csms said four to eight hours a week two hours a day four hours a day wednesday and thursday i'm gonna have you do this and this we're gonna do we're gonna measure this for 90 days 
And then I can take that and I go to my executive team and say, hey, I'd like to take two headcount, run this another quarter, but make it full time. Here are the metrics that we're measuring. This, These are the, the identified mm. beliefs that we're going to come up with. Here's what we hypothesized. Here's what we did with four hours a day from two people that I kind of just snuck away in a quarter, in a corner. Um, and we got this out of it out of the first 60 days, first 30 days, then that 90 days. So what I'd like to do is do this from here to the end. You know, here we are on September 1st. I like to do this from here to the end of the year, the next four months, and just see what it looks like um, with two headcount. That's it. And that's all. If that works, then we're going to formalize it. Um, we'll make that part of what we do in the new year. That's how I'd roll it out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, it, that also makes it, it you, you, you work this. And if you can sit down with HR and say, hey, I've kind of got this internal recruiting thing going on now, too, because I've got this pooled model where I have two people. I, those are going to be my next CSMs. So what I'd like for you to do is start looking at more junior people that we can bring in. Finance likes that because they're more cost effective. They're easier on your bottom line. You have a career path that you can offer to your employees now. Right. So Right, right. See it in a specialist level, and then you have the junior CSMs and up to you know your enterprise levels, um, and now you have an ops team, right? So there's a lot of opportunity. As long as we grow, we grow opportunity for everyone. So if you're more data inclined, you're more technically inclined, we're going to have pathways for you. And the light bulbs start to go out. I'm like, I see that because we have a new team, yeah. new roles. I see people being promoted. I see people becoming team leads. And so, you, and that goes back to the rule saying that you need this for growth to scale CS. Like you need this pool model for not only just the customer benefit, but for the employee benefit and the, and the, the growth path to bring and grow and scale the CS function, right? Cause it, it's also a headcount game and, and you've kind of hacked the system a bit to figure out how to feed it. Oh, uh, and it, so, and that's, that's kind of where the goodness comes in because you, you have a little buffer, right? So if you have your, your, your specialists and your associates, you can kind of time where you want to pull the trigger for your enterprise CSMs. You know, generally we've looked at enterprise CSMs and said, okay, when my team hits, you know, 80% of their threshold, then I've got to start farming for my next role and pump that new yeah, enterprise right. role. You've got to find an enterprise CSM. And, you know, particularly 18, 12 months ago, those were hard to find and expensive. If you grow them internally, you, you're yeah. you so many good things for your company. So many things, good things for your, for your customers. You know, the, the fact that a CSM is now with you for 18 months, they know where the contacts they need to get things done internally. I got a snafu in billing or my customer's having friction with this. Um, they have relationships. They have their own political capital that right. they can really, um, They've got a career path. It's it's nice to be with a company for more than 18 months in customer success. If, you know, it shows that you're doing something right and that they've been, you know, being able to grow. Um, you know, there's not much more fun in life than promoting people, so. Awesome. No, that's really clear. That, that's that's really interesting. We haven't talked about that. Um, so I learned a lot there. So, Jeff, how did you get into the customer success field? Like everybody else, by accident. <laughs> uh, I was I was I was fortunate. I started off in professional services with on-prem software in uh, in '99 with MicroStrategy, and then uh, had a run with business objects before the acquisition with SAP. Um, I did some startups after that. So I uh, did a run with Accenture. Um, you know, and yeah, so I kind of accidentally got a lot of, a lot of interesting, you know, experience along the way. I, I tell people every day I would do customer success for the hot dog vendor on the corner. If that's what it, <laughs> this is just fun. Um, you know, it's just a blast to get to yeah. 
up and meet new people every day. Um, you get to help solve problems, you know, help, you know, this whole, you know, thing has just been a lot of fun. So, um, but formally, I, I, 2011, working for a startup, um, I was brought in to put BI on top of a, a document storage tool. And uh, because BI is my background, analytics with uh, business objects and microstrategy. And, and that's what I was brought in to do. Um, and we looked at it and we're like, if we just gave away services and learn more about our product, we would learn how to grow this company. Um, so we ended up verticalizing for healthcare and, and legal and banking because we learned with our customer. And right. then uh, 2012, uh, downtown San Francisco had a conversation with some people that were looking at it the same way. They were working for a different BI company that eventually got acquired by Infor. And, um, you know, we, we were like, there's some sort of different, there's professional services and there's, there's what we want to do. And it's really advising customers. We've got to f- figure out how to pay for it. So then customer success was, you know, cost of goods sold and all of that. Um, and we've done a much better job of, of becoming commercially responsible and, you know, uh, revenue generating for our yeah, right. customers, which I'm very bullish about. Um, and so, and that's how you get things done anyways. Um, so that's where it came into, well, we're going to start customer success function. And then we're going to have that separate from PS. PS will be the highly technical engaged. Right. It will come from the pre-sales architecture of our product into the life cycle of our customer who will then pay for it. Um, and so that was a PS organ that the customer success function got to really stick with. We're going to grow our customers. We're going to learn about product. We're going to bring that goodness back home. We're going to build that out. Um, and it was just, um, gosh, just get to live every day in the pre-sales and the post-sales and in your customers and in the industry and, um, never a dull moment. Yeah, no, it's, um, certainly grown too in that time, right? Just matured and grown and, and, um, it's been fun to see. So how can we follow you online? Uh, LinkedIn's the best place. I post there daily about things that I, I think are important and like to share. Um, it's a great place for all of us to learn together, grow together. Um, of course, you can, you know, uh, my email, jheckler at marketsource.com. Um, and that's that's about it. Yeah, you do post regularly. I can attest to that. So um, great content as well. So, well, thank you, Jeff, for coming on to the podcast. It's been a great conversation. I certainly learned uh, a lot here and and I know you are very um generous with your time sharing with many folks out there about what's going on in the CS universe so thanks for coming on and let's do it again soon Absolutely Tom I really appreciate it thank you very much it was a lot of fun My pleasure yes it was Thank you for tuning in to the Revenue Hustle This episode's been brought to you by Nine Lenses close more deals with interactive assessments check them out at ninelenses.com See you next time